precious memories. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. Ephesians chapter 5 for just a few moments, the Lord willing. Uh, talked about the lost exhead for several weeks, a couple of weeks. Found over in the book of Kings with Elijah, whose servant lost his exhead, which was a symbol of God's power. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, let's stand again for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's begin with verse, oh, I got it really organized tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, let's begin with verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How many of you would like to know what the will of the Lord is? How many of you would really like to know what the will of the Lord is? You have understanding, and I have understanding. Well, he says in verse 18, and be not drunk. Amen. Don't take your message, get too excited, does it? <laughs> and be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he lists some results of being filled with the Holy Spirit in the remainder of the chapter. And, of course, the whole theme of the Bible after getting saved is be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. But verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Father, thank you for the privilege we had to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I pray you'll take the Word of God, drive it deep into the very fabric of our soul. Lord, we, we all need it. I know I do. I don't think anybody who loves the Lord is immune to growing in grace and becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And we say so often we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. But oftentimes it's not the Holy Spirit's problem. It's not His fault that we're not doing what we should. It's ours. And Lord, sometimes we fail to rely upon Him and learn how to be yielded to the Holy Ghost of God to help us in our daily Christian walk. Forgive us tonight of all of our sins, our shortcomings. Cleanse us by the blood of the Lord Jesus. In Your name will be honored and glorified. And we'll thank You for it. In His wonderful name we pray. Amen. May be seated. There's three things I want to mention by way of introduction tonight and taking the verse that's been given to us and comparing like wine, like wine. And first of all, there's a comparison that is given with the Holy Spirit like wine. Now remember that both of those are opposites and there's a, we're not advocating drinking wine. That's not the whole subject. It's about the Holy Spirit. But there is a comparison. When you get full of the Holy Spirit of God, it produces a natural, unnatural boldness. You know, when you read the book of Acts, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they declared the Word of God with boldness. And sometimes we're not as bold as we ought to be, and the reason we're not as bold as we ought to be is because we're not as filled as much as we ought to be. The more we feel the Holy Spirit of God, it gives you boldness. Even the most timid individual in all the world sometimes can do unusual exploits for God just by being obedient to the Lord. And I know there's degrees and times of growth and grace and so forth. But like wine, the fullness of the Holy Spirit produces unnatural boldness. How many has ever been drunk on liquor? Raise real high. How many of you got really drunk? How many of you used a sight to be whole? How many of you got a picture of somebody picking you up off the floor after you cut through showing yourself? Anybody? Now, I've never tasted liquor. I have no idea what it tastes like. And I, I, I thank the Lord for that. I've been around it all my life. My daddy was a preacher. He dealt with a lot of drunks. We sometimes dragged him in out of, 
out of the yard in the rain winter season. They couldn't make it inside. They just fell out in the yard. And our neighbors sometimes were like that. Good folks when they were sober. But when they got drunk, they were just unusually, and usually got very bold acting. They could take on the whole town. They could take on everybody in the house. I mean, I could whip, whip my wife. I could even I could whip my babies because I'm strong now. But it affected their whole demeanor and their whole deportment and how sad that was. Unnatural boldness and power. Wouldn't it be good if we had unnatural boldness and power? Because you see, the Holy Ghost of God is supernatural. The Holy Ghost of God is God dwelling in us. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmness of His handiwork. We read, and I'm glad for God's display of creation. But I'm also glad the Holy Ghost of God is the part of the Trinity that also can enable us to have more boldness than we sometimes have. It all comes back to it, and we get to it later, but it all comes back to yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me or strengthen us, and we try to depend on ourselves to do it. And without God, we're a failure most of the time or all the time. We need His help. We need His strength. But when you make a comparison, He says, be not drunk with wine where success. Don't be drinking where you're going to make a mess out of yourself. You get bold and boisterous. He said, but the opposite of that is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you want to be bold. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, when the day of Pentecost was come, and the people on the outside beheld those on the inside of the room where they was having the prayer meeting, that they thought they were drunk on new wine. Now, they were doing something that was different than the usual. And they were not ashamed of Christ. Who was it that denied the Lord three times? Peter. Peter. How many's ever sort of identified with old Peter? Sticking your foot in your mouth, saying things you ought not say. When there's on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter got so excited, he said, let's just build three churches right up here. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and we'll just stay here. He said, you know why? Because it's just good to be here. Well, it was good to be here, but that wasn't the intent of the whole purpose. It's to build three churches or tabernacles and stay on the mountaintop. And Jesus, of course, transformed himself and the light of the second coming and how he would look in the glorified body. And then he said, now I want you to go back down the valley. There's some folks down there hurting, young men demon-possessed. you got a job to do, so go back down there. I'm sure they were more electrified after that encounter. But Peter was always one that sort of was a, he was a big talker, but he wasn't too much of a walker at times. And he walked on water, but then he sunk, and I commend him for walking on water. As a matter of fact, I think I get a sermon coming up in a few weeks. I'm glad Peter walked on the water. Don't, don't, don't be too hard on Peter. Most of us had to get out of the boat. We're still in the boat. We can't trust the Lord. At least Peter got out of the boat, right? And walked on the water, did he not? That's what the Bible said. And the winds were boisterous, and he got a little nervous, and his faith got weak, and he began to sink. He thought he was going to die in the storm. And Jesus is right there with him all the time, all the way. But he's the only guy I know of outside of uh, Jesus Christ that walked on water. Now, whether I, this is correct or not, I believe in eternity we'll walk on water. I think you'll be able to transport yourself thousands of miles instantaneously. I think you'll be able to do a lot of things. You thought Jesus appeared to them in the upper room. We're going to have a body like him. He just appeared, to, he just appeared in there. So I guess he just came through the wall, reckon? I'm not sure if that's good theology or not, but he showed up and he just appeared before them automatically, it looked like. And he did glorious things with a glorified body, and we're going to have a glorified body just like him. So there may be some things we're going to do that's going to blow our mind. I want to go to heaven when I die, and 
I wouldn't mind if the rapture would come tonight. Amen. And the more I see this whole wicked world messed up like it is, you just see the hatred and the venom, the venom coming from the poison words that people speak. And I just thought today, just listening to the news and saw just a brief part of it on television, they hate the Israelites because they hate Christ. See, they hate Christ. And when you follow the whole story of God's people, they've always been somebody after them, trying to destroy them, trying to kill them. The last big one, of course, in the world was the Holocaust, when, what, six million Jews were put to death. And they don't mind killing and what they're doing today as part of their vocabulary. The enemy, do the can they be saved? Sure they can. Those Palestinians could be saved. The Amos terrorists could be saved. There's been folks who've been saved out of terrorism and went on to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God loves them, but He don't put up with junk forever. He don't put up with mess forever. The, the wage of sin is death. And if you don't get right with God, that's what's going to happen. And remember, the, for Israel, God's on their side. He always has been. They've won things. The people said, there's no way they're going to win this battle. Well, they're going to win. Just take it from a, a humble preacher. They're going to win. You know why? Because it's in the book. And the Bible says so. And if God says so, it's going to happen. And however he doesn't, however he brings it to pass, there's been some miraculous things happen over the years in preservation of the Jewish nation. And of course, all of it's in the Bible. Some of us in some of the wars they've been fighting already over these many years. But that's not the message tonight. We'd like to have some boldness. And some of those folks are pretty bold. Uh, I saw one young man, they interviewed him one night on television, said he left his, he said, I'd be willing to go to, to intercede for the hostages. He says, if I die, I die. I'm ready to go. I'll get, if they let me go in, I'll go in and try to see what's going on. Don't mind at all. I'll crawl back through the tunnel. I'll do whatever needs to be done. And he said, what well, if they kill you? If they kill me, they kill me. He said, but there's a cause more important than me. Remember, David said, this is not a cause. And sometimes we forget the cause. We're sort of wrapped up in our own little world. And let's be honest, including this preacher, we're not as bold sometimes as we think we are. You know, sometimes we need some extra boldness. And David, when he faced Goliath, I think he was praying all the time by faith. He believed God because he'd already killed a lion and a bear. He'd already proven the hand of God could help him. And I think by faith he defeated the giant. But I don't think it was just without some apprehension as he went down to face the giant. What was the giant? What, nine or ten foot tall? And David was five foot nine, maybe. Maybe not that tall, just a young kid. going to fight the biggest giant in the country. But he did it successfully and then took a... Took a once he hit him in the head, uh, for years when I was a kid, I never didn't know about the part where we took the sword and cut his head off. That's part of the story, too. And then later on, that sword was used for for service. And David was a great soldier of the Lord, and by faith he did great exploits for God. But the fact is, like wine, they were full, a drunkard is, is full, somebody over-drinking and says, they're full of themselves. What God wants us to be is full of the Holy Spirit. There's a big conflict between self and, and the Spirit in, the, in our bodies that goes on all the time. How many of you believe, and I, do, you, I know you do, you believe the Holy Spirit of God dwells in your body, yes or no? All right, he dwells in your body. Now, he is a gentleman. It's like Jesus in Revelation knocking on the door. He's not knocking on the door of the unsaved. He's knocking on the door of the church of Laodicea. He's on the outside. He wants to come in. It's his church, but the doorknob's on the inside. It's got to be opened by somebody on the inside. 
and Jesus wanted to be a help to them, but they were going through all the motions and like everything was all right, went down deep. They weren't, and the Lord knew that. They needed to repent and get right with the Lord in the, in the church age and that it represents, as well as every, every age it represents. Like wine, men become afraid of no one. I mean, you've seen enough cowboys to realize that when some old drunks get wound up in the saloon, they could take on everybody in the bar, and they could be a little old squirt, but they take on everybody. They have boldness. I'm not saying you do it because of trying to show off. I'm just saying simply the fact is that when you are facing a situation, God can give you added boldness. And sometimes there's boldness that comes in different phases of life. Uh, Brother Willard was talking about a while ago. He's turned 80 a few days ago. And I told him he don't look a day over 79. Everybody agree with that? He, he looked like about 79. But he said, you know, if we got a little heart problems. He said, he said, I didn't go to an appointment. And he says, God knows how many days I got numbered. And if my day comes, it's going to come up, I'm going to go. And so I can't do anything about it now. We're all not like that. But he's got a little bit of boldness in these latter days. But I do think this, Brother Willard, when a man comes down to die as a Christian, I think he'll have some courage. He'll face it. He may be a little nervous. I've preached a long time. I've talked to a lot of preachers, talked to, I've heard a lot of sermons. And not everybody comes down to the end of death or come down to die, and they're all excited about it until they come down to cross the river and then something happens. I think one of these great epitaphs or great stories have been told about great Christian people, great preachers who've come down to die. Maybe a little apprehensive because they've never done it before. But when they get down to that point, they're about to die. I think the Lord just takes them across the other side and gives them courage to face. I will fear no, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And though it, it, we come down to the end of our life, God's been faithful at the beginning. He'll be faithful at the end. I don't want to die. I'm not anxious to die, but I, I hope I can go in the rapture. And maybe we all could go up in the rapture. But if i got to die, i got to die. That's the point when a man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. But Tyler did a great job preaching in chapel this morning about it's a point when a man wants to die. And thinking about the end of your life, when it's going to come. One of these days, it won't be long. And I'll be honest with you, as I get older, I think more about dying than I used to when I was 18. It crosses my mind more. And you'll find out, you realize sometimes you don't have as long lived as you thought you have. As a matter of fact, all you have is the day today, the breath today, tomorrow it may be gone. And we're going to face God face to face. There is a judgment day coming for Christians as well as, as the unsaved. So there's a comparison, number one. Number two, there's a contrast between the two. The possibility of excess in drinking and wine uh, can cause unusual things to happen in, in addition to bonus, but not in partaking of the Holy Spirit. You can't get too much of the Holy Spirit, or He can't get too much of you. He needs all of you. The Holy Spirit is who we desire to have, His power. Now, you can drink and drink. He said, don't drink in excess. And that's not putting a license and say it's all right to drink one or two shots time to time. A lot of folks try to take that one verse and say, well, it says don't get drunk. Go ahead and drink, but don't get drunk. My daddy had it pretty well pinned down. He dealt with a lot of drunks all his life because they just in the neighborhood. And uh, he said, how many drinks it takes to get you drunk? And they'd say, well, I can drink about 10 drinks before I get drunk. So when you drink one drink, you're one-tenth drunk. You're on the way to being drunk. You're, and, and most of you end up being drunk by just keep on drinking. You don't get drunk by just thinking. You get drunk by participating. Chug-a-lug, 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 chug-a-lug. 
and you put it down until you get drunk. Then when you get drunk, you find yourself overdoing it, being ridiculously ignorant and probably have the gift of stupidity for a while. And you don't have to raise your hand. When you, some of you raised your hand that you got drunk from time to time, did you ever do anything dumb? Would you like to put it on the screen? Sometimes folks do a lot of crazy things when they get excessive wine in them or liquor of any kind. But possibility of drinking wine, you may drink more in excess than you should if there's a place where you a limit to it. But you, he said excess would have made you drunk, but not in partaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants more of you. You see, you can't get the Holy Spirit in parts. He is a person. He's a what? Is God the Father a person? Is God the Son a person? And God the Holy Spirit is a person. And He dwells in our bodies. And He wants all of us. We got all of Him when we got saved. He came in to dwell. But does He have all of us? So there's a contrast sometimes. Drunkenness leads to leads to folly. The fullness of the Holy Spirit leads to wisdom. Drunkenness leads to right, R-I-O-T. The fullness of the Holy Spirit leads to self-control. You find that in the fruits of the Spirit. Temperance, self-control. Sometimes we don't have the ability to do certain things and we say, that's just the way I am. I'm, I'm mean like I am because it's in my genes. No, you're mean like I because it is in your genes because you're a stinking sinner. That's the reason you do things like that. And a lot of things you do, it, it, could, be, it could be helped if we did the Holy Spirit take control of our life. Drunkenness leads to right. The fullness of the Holy Spirit leads to self-control. Drunkenness leads to hellishness. And someone said the fullness of the Holy Spirit leads to holiness. See, the more the Holy Spirit takes control of your life, the more holy you're going to live. It is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Living holy lives. Having lives dedicated to God. And the more the Holy Spirit gets you and you yield yourself to Him, the more holier you're going to become. It's not a braggadocious statement to say, look at me, I'm holy. Because the holier you get, the more you realize how much more you need His power. Because you see yourself also undone and unworthy of Him being saved at all and going to heaven. And yet He wants you to have all His power. And the world was turned upside down by 11 apostles. Go ye into all the world when stood on the Mount of Olives and gave that great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Eleven guys. I tell you what, they've touched the world. And the day of Pentecost, there was 120. Then there's 123,000 added to that. That's 3,120. Then there was 5,000 added to that. That's 8,120. And then they talked about multitudes. History says, in the course of just a few years, the entire city of Jerusalem was turned upside down by these ignorant and unlearned men. That's what they were called. How could these men do that? And they said something different about them. They see how they love one another. See how they do what they do. It's amazing. And they, they're ignorant. And they're unlearned as, as far as the social status in town. But they was able to turn the world upside down with the help of God. Getting back to Peter. Peter on the day of Pentecost preached a powerful sermon. He was bold. He stood before all those people. And when the gift of tongues came with that ability to be able to hear the sermon in their own language, and Peter's up there preaching and everybody there was hearing the message. He wasn't ashamed then. As a matter of fact, he got pretty rough with them. He got down to the death and the burial and the resurrection. And he, the, you've killed him. You've put Jesus on the cross. And he didn't back up preaching. And Apostle Peter changed after Pentecost. Before Calvary, he was one way. After the resurrection, he was another way. Because the Holy Spirit of God 
had God control of his life. And the other apostle, other apostles also did the same thing. So there's a comparison. Like wine, we are to be for the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit gives us unusual bonus and power. I need that. So pray for me. There's a contrast. Sometimes you can drink too much wine, but you can't drink too much of the Holy Spirit of God, the water of life. There is a fountain and the artesian well to drink from that gives us more and more abilities. He can take people who sometimes are ignorant, as I mentioned, and unlearned, and do unusual things for and with them. You know, most of the great men of God that I've been around in my life were pretending and shy guys. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever listened to. I remember listening to a preacher years ago. He was one of the most powerful preachers I've heard. But after he got through preaching, he just wanted to get to be alone. He didn't, he didn't need anybody to shake his hand, tell him how great he was. He just wanted to get alone, be with God, and just sort of revel in the, in the love of God. It wasn't that he bragged about that. He just sort of eased away from the crowd because of the fact that he realized well, from whence come his power. We are nothing, have nothing, there will be nothing apart from the power of God in our life. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And so the contrast is there, the command, be not drunk with wine, where is success? That's a negative command. Don't want you to get drunk, stay away from it. But be filled with the Spirit, that's positive. So one's a negative, one's a positive. But he says, I want you to, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, where is success? That's getting drunk, but be filled, it's past tense. In the Greek language, there's several words in the Bible that are, are given to us in the past tense, but they mean a continual action. Don't be to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled by, continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be continually, but be filled with the Spirit, yielding yourself because sometimes the oil gets dry. Sometimes we get down where we just need the fresh oil talked about, or we need our axe head sharpened. And I mentioned the other night, and if you were here and I was talking about the axe head, the power of God, and you know, there's two ways to empty that glass of water. One is for me to drink it. But without drinking it, there's two ways to empty it. I see, I could have Tommy come up here and I just pour this over his head, see how long it took to get him all wet. You want to be an illustration? No, no. See, I just, I just take it and I just sort of turn it over and, and I pour it out until I get the last drop. And then I go, oh, I dropped it on my outline. I poured all that water out, supposedly. Or you can put mercury in that or something heavier than water, and the more you put in it, push it, it pushes the water out. Now I know I've said it, many preachers have, we need to be emptied of ourselves, and I understand that. But it's one way, just more of God can push the meanness out of you. More of God, more of God's holiness and righteousness helps us to realize we've got a long way to go. And God wants us to take the command. It's not an option. It is a command. If you were commanded to do something by God, would you do it? Would I do it? Well, you say, yes, I would. Would we? You say, well, I'd be a little nervous about it. Then we need the power of the Holy Spirit to obey Him. Sometimes we're supposed to do it and our flesh kicks in, and then the battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh says no, the spirit says yes, the flesh says I can't, and the spirit says you can. So the, the, the whole object is my free will to be yielded to him, to say, Lord, I need you, I can't do this, I can't accomplish this. There's no way that I can accomplish what I'm going to accomplish. If you want me to do it, you're going to have to help me. And the more I can surrender day by day, I surrender all, should be our theme song. And sometimes it takes a while to work through all that. It doesn't happen overnight. 
I believe a man can be saved. The Holy Ghost of God comes to dwell on the inside. He's got some baggage in his life. And as you live your Christian life, you're going to have baggage you've got to get rid of. It doesn't take away your salvation. You know, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of the down payment to guarantee we're going to heaven. That's what it says. You know, it's, it's there to re- make us realize that you've got a guarantee. The Holy Spirit don't jump in and out of you. I mean, some folks think he does. He jumps in, jumps out, jumps in, jumps out. I mean, that'd be terrible to see that happening. If it don't happen, we can grieve him. We can suppress his power in our life. But the more we yield to him day by day, and the word and the spirit tie together, makes a tremendous influence in our life. But he says it's a command. What would you think if I was commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I come in to the church this coming Sunday and I come in, you may think I'm drunk now the way I talk and the way I walk, but if I come in Sunday and I stagger in and uh, one of the deacons, Darren's here tonight, uh, raised his hand and wanted to go to help me on the bike, but Darren says, preacher's drunk. My preacher is drunk. I ain't drunk. You think I'm drunk. Don't tell me I'm drunk. I ain't drunk. I'm drunk as Cougar Brown. Who Cougar Brown was. And maybe Darren, he knows he can't handle me by himself. Because a drunk man sometimes has more power than he usually has. He can whoop the whole group up. So he gets another deacon to help him. And he comes to the pulpit and says, Pastor, you've got to get out of the pulpit. You're drunk. You shouldn't be here. Don't tell me where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to preach today and you get out of my face. And we get in an argument, and I whoop up on him a little bit. It wouldn't take much to whoop up on Darren, just one whoop could do it. But if I'm drunk, I'm not talking the right, I'm slurring my speech, I'm staggering around, I'm making an idiot out of myself in the front of everybody. My tie's crooked, my coat's coming off, my shirt tail's hanging out, I'm, I'm, I'm ter- it's terrible, I'm just drunk. And so here I am. You say, preacher, you ought not to be in the pulpit being drunk on intoxicated beverages, and all of God's people said but I ought not to come not being controlled by the Holy Spirit either. The command is be not drunk with wine. It's wrong to get drunk and display your, your ignorance. But it's also not good for us not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not the judge and jury of that in your life. God is and the judge and jury of my life. Sometimes I know in my own life I'm not where I ought to be with God. Sometimes I just need a good day of fasting and praying and soul searching. Sometimes I need just God to come and just put his searchlight on my soul and get me back where I need to be. Now, maybe you've never had times in your life like that. I want to remind all of you in this room tonight, you're not perfect. And if you don't believe it, you ask somebody, I'll tell you. Most of us have faults and failures that God's still working on. He can use us. He's not looking for perfect people to be used. He will perfect us when we get to heaven. But we ought to be more perfect over here than we was when we began, little by little, and if you fall, a righteous man falls seven times, gets back up again. And that ought to be true in all our lives. Let me close right quickly. The tragedy of a church member getting drunk, how about one that's not filled with the Holy Spirit? So let's transfer it to you tonight as well as to me. Should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Yes. Is it a command? Yes. So there's a command, <clears throat> a command that I'm supposed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And the only way I can do that is I've got to yield myself to Him. I didn't get saved by Him overriding my will. I got saved by yielding my will to Him and saying, Dear Lord, would you save me? I gave Him my soul for Him saving. The same way about the victorious Christian life, Romans 6, 7, and 8 through there, especially chapter 6. Yielding yourself to God makes a tremendous difference. Lord, I yield you myself today. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to start praying that prayer with me. Would you pray for your preacher 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I pray for you that you be filled with the Holy Spirit? And as we move through the last quarter of this year and go into missions conference and go into Christmas and etc., wouldn't it be good to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I need that. You need that. And so easy sometimes to get used to the Christian life that it affects us. Uh, are you happy? Are you joyful? Where we at? The Holy Spirit brings joys like the wine symbolizes in the Bible oftentimes joy. And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Someone said DD stands for Doctor of Divinity. That's what it was in Bible college. DD, Doctor of Divinity. A police station that stands for drunk and disorderly. I don't want that in my life. I'd rather have the Doctor of Divinity or at least to have God's approval on my life to say, now, next week, I want to talk about what is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer in this room tonight. What's the relationship that you have with Him? And I say with Benny Beckham, who sometimes, when he comes and speaks, and when I talk to him on the phone, or I saw him the other day when he came by the office, sometimes he just puts me to shame, just talking. And one of his famous phrases, you remember, he talked to the Father today when he was here the last time. He'll probably ask us as soon as he gets here, have you talked to the Father today? That doesn't mean he's showing off that he is better than you are, but he does spend time talking to the Father, and so should you and so should I. But let's be honest, there's sometimes there's days goes by when you don't even talk to the Father unless you're in a rush. And then the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So I want to challenge you tonight to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You pray for me, I'll pray for you, that God will enable us by His grace divine to be what we ought to be for the cause of Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of a holy God. Let's stand